Jesus House in Pursuit of God Discovering Purpose Maximizing Potential Impacting Lives This message is being brought to you from Jesus House London God bless you want to thank you for all you've done for us as a people. We are grateful for this opportunity as we come to the last Thanksgiving service of the year to say thank you for this year. Thank you for many things, O God, obvious things and not so obvious things. Thank you, Father, for your love for us. And Lord, breathe upon your word. Let it challenge us into deeper dimensions of worship in Jesus' name. And together we say, Amen. Amen. When we talk about worship, there is one scripture that is really a revelation for the New Testament church with regards to worship. And it comes out of Jesus' encounter with the Samaritan woman at the well. You know the story. The woman had come from a very challenged background. Her marriages had failed five times. She had reached the place of hopelessness and given up. She has an encounter with Jesus. And out of that encounter comes some foundational principles with regards to worship for the New Testament church. John, the fourth chapter, verses 23 and 24 and this is the new King James, King James Version. The Bible says, But the hour is coming, and now is, when the true worshippers will worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father is seeking such to worship Him. The Father is seeking such to worship Him. That statement should really make us pause. For God doesn't really need anything from anybody. He is God all by himself. But then, in that encounter, we receive a revelation of something that touches God's heart. For we realize that, as the Bible tells us, there are true worshipers. And God is seeking such. It goes on to say, for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is a spirit, and those who worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. The theme for our last Thanksgiving service today is the alabaster box. And that theme is taken from an account in the Gospels of a lady who took precious ointment in an, in an alabaster box and broke it and anointed Jesus. The three Gospels give an account of what happened. But just because we are conscious of time today, we'll just paraphrase it. Jesus was in a place called Bethany, in the home of a man called Simon the leper. And it is believed that he was called Simon the leper because he had leprosy but had been healed by Jesus. And reclining at a table with many other guests, a woman comes into the house 
She's carrying an alabaster flask. Some translations say an alabaster box or an alabaster jar. The jar is filled with the highest quality, most expensive perfume imaginable. And in John the the 12th chapter and the 3rd verse, the Bible tells us this. This is the Passion Translation. This woman, Mary her name was, picks up the alabaster jar filled with nearly a liter of extremely rare and costly perfume, the purest extract of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet. Then she wiped them dry with her long hair, and the fragrance of the costly oil filled the house. Now, not everybody who was there approved of this expression of worship. And Judas, amongst those who were there, criticized this expression of worship because in his words, this expensive perfume could have been used for better things, including feeding the poor. But this woman's expression of worship, which I must confess, every time I read, I find a bit unsettling. And I find it unsettling because I feel that it is such a deeply personal thing that the woman is expressing a deep expression of an extravagant expression of love and it's a privilege for us to witness it. It's the kind of thing that probably would happen in the privacy of your room between you and God. But I believe that the Holy Spirit put it on the pages of the Bible so that it can teach us some deep truths about worship. And so I want to share with you as we go into worship what we glean from this story about the characteristics of a true worshiper. The first thing is that the true worshiper spends time at the feet of Jesus to get a revelation of him. You see, it can't be worship if you don't know who you're worshiping. You can praise without that kind of revelation knowledge. But you can't worship without that kind of revelation knowledge. And so this woman... We understand that this woman is Mary, Lazarus' sister, spent time at Jesus' feet to get a revelation of him. In Luke's gospel, the 10th chapter, the Bible says in verses 38 and 39, the Passion Translation, as Jesus and his disciples continued on their journey, they came to a village where a woman welcomed Jesus into her home. Her name was Martha, and she had a sister named Mary. Mary sat down attentively before the master, absorbing every revelation he shared. You see, Mary just understood that all these other things pale into relative insignificance when put side by side with what I get when I sit at his feet and receive a revelation 
of him. You see, if worship is in spirit and in truth, we must spend time with the spirit so that the spirit can reveal to us the God that we worship. You see, if everyone knew this God and who he is, how many know the whole world will bow in worship to him? You know, one translation says that Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet, heard his word. It is through the word that we receive a revelation that takes our worship to new dimensions. May God's spirit reveal him in his word to you so that your worship becomes worship in spirit and in truth so that you become the true worshiper that God says he seeks. So that we all become that, the true worshipers that God says he seeks. And it's interesting that the Bible goes on in the 40th verse of that scripture, Luke 10, to talk about Martha who was distracted with much serving. And part of the challenge we face as, as a church, the body of Christ, is that there are too many distractions so we can't sit at Jesus' feet. There are too many things that are competing for our attention and our time. The time we spend in the word of God that gives us a revelation of God is dwindling by the day except we fight to protect that time. There are too many things that are pulling us and calling us and distracting us. And God is saying, I need true worshipers to come back to the feet of Jesus. Sit at his feet. Hear his word and receive a revelation of him that takes their worship to a new dimension. Can someone say amen to that? The second thing, and Mary epitomizes this, is that true worshipers fall at his feet in surrender. The Bible records in John, the 11th chapter and the 32nd verse, that when Mary finally found Jesus outside the village, she fell at his feet in tears and said, Lord, if only you had been there, my brother would not have died. This woman had faced a calamity. Her brother had died. She was grief-stricken. The dream had collapsed. The plans had totally crumbled. She was in the depths of pain. But she understood, like every true worshiper, that irrespective of the pain, the challenges, the difficulties, the prayers that haven't been answered, the things I'm waiting for, it doesn't change my surrender to Jesus. And so carrying her pain, her brokenness, her grief, she sees Jesus and still falls at his feet in surrender to him. There are too many who have conditions for their worship of God. If God does this, when God does this, because God hasn't done this, but a true worshiper knows that I surrender to him. On the hill, I'm surrendered. In the valley, I'm surrendered. The answer hasn't come yet, I'm surrendered. It's dark, I'm surrendered. 
It's hard, I'm surrendered. It's difficult, I'm surrendered. It's gone pear-shaped, I'm surrendered. Frankly, in all situations, I am surrendered to him, down at his feet, worshiping him. Our worship becomes sweet-smelling perfume when we are worshiping him despite something. When we are worshiping him in spite of something. And that is the heart of a true worshiper. My worship is not conditional on anything. Can someone say amen? The third characteristic of a true worshiper is that the true worshiper worships him with everything. You see, the true worshiper understands that everything that I am, everything that I have, is simply by the grace of God. And so I worship him with everything. This woman comes in with this alabaster box, this alabaster flask. In the flask is the most expensive perfume. She breaks the flask, the box, and pours the perfume out on Jesus. Incidentally, when the people started to criticize her, Jesus said to them, stop. You guys don't understand it. She's preparing me for my burial. She's anointing me for my burial. And it's, it's instructive that Judas who was nicking money from the treasury by this time, stealing money. So, you know, criticizing, but he was, he was siphoning money out of the treasury. Jesus' treasury. Judas said, why is she wasting the equivalent of one year's wages? One year's wages would have paid for the perfume in the, in the flask. And she was pouring it out on Jesus' feet. I think for us, the lesson is that this woman gave everything. I thought about it, and I thought, if the woman was, walk, was walking, walking with her senses, not with her spirit, how many know she should have kept a bit of the perfume to sell? And giving Jesus two weeks' worth of perfume, it makes sense. But the woman, by her, by, led by her spirit, was led to pour it all out for Jesus. You know, worship is not 20 minutes in a service. Worship is more than a song we sing. More than two hymns we sing. The true worshiper knows that worship is everything that I am. The true worshiper knows that worship is not a segment of a service. It is a life that is dedicated to worshiping God. A ceaseless, unending flow of worship from the life of a person. She challenges us to give everything in worship. And the fourth characteristic of a true worshiper is their humility. Nothing was as humbling as sitting at the feet of a person in that culture 
and washing the feet of a person. But this woman sat at Jesus' feet, forgot everything about who she was, and sat at Jesus' feet, anointed his feet with this expensive perfume. The fragrance filled the room. You know, when our worship is in spirit and in truth, the fragrance is irres irresistible in the rooms of heaven. When worship on earth comes from the right place, it releases a sweet-smelling savor, sweet-smelling perfume, a fragrance that heaven finds irresistible. At his feet, she anoints him, sitting there. This position was the position that was reserved for the lowest of servants. But this woman understood that before my Savior, I am humble. And then she does something that most of us would find unsettling. She lets down her hair. In the culture, a woman who let out her hair in that way was sending a message that she was a loose woman, a woman who was immoral. But this woman didn't care how people saw it. She was just driven to an extreme place of devotion to give her all, that she went beyond the boundaries that you and I would consider normal and used her hair to wipe his feet. Her action echoes David's thanksgiving to God. In 2 Samuel, the 7th chapter and the 18th verse, the Bible says then, King David went in and sat before the Lord and he said, Who am I, O Lord God? And what is my house that you have brought me this far? That must have been her heart. And that's the heart of a true worshiper. Who am I? That you have brought me this far. And as we come to the end of the year, that really should be the spirit and the heart of a people of God. That who, who am I? What have I done? to deserve the mercies, the grace, the compassion, the provision, the protection. What have I done, God, to merit the attention? What have I done, God, for you to have been with me through those challenging times? What, what have I done, God? Who am I that you have chosen to love me in this way. And there surely must be someone who said, who am I, God, that you would send your son to die on the cross for me? The true worshiper is cloaked in humility. The true worshiper commits to receiving a revelation of God so they can worship deeper. The true worshiper surrenders themselves to God. 
The true worshiper worships God with everything they have at every time. You see, the true worshiper never switches off. There isn't a church segment and a life segment. The true worshiper knows that even in the mundane things of life, the everyday things of life, I am worshiping God. Because without God, I wouldn't be. And you know, as I thought about this reflection on the true worshiper, a song just kept playing in my heart. It's a song I learned, frankly, about 28, 29 years ago. And that song came back to me so powerfully. Down at your feet, oh Lord, is the most high place in your presence, Lord. I seek your face. I seek song is so precious to me because it's down at his feet that it all happens. It's when we humble ourselves at his feet, where we give him everything at his feet, where we receive his revelation at his feet. That's where it all happens at his feet. And I feel that God is saying to someone, You've been distracted by too much. You've wandered away from that place of power down at, my, down at his feet. And maybe someone is holding back because something hasn't happened how it should happen. But the Lord, I feel, is inviting people back to that place of strength, that place of power, that place of revelation down at his feet. Amen. Hallelujah. Down at down at your feet oh Lord is the most high place in your presence Lord I seek your face I seek your I would encourage you to kneel as we just just
declare in this song that we return to that place, that, that place of power. If you can't kneel, that's okay. You can sit down. And as we sing this song, may the Spirit of God draw us back to where we should be, down at His feet. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Down at your feet. Down. We're in the season of gifts. We exchange gifts. We give gifts to people we appreciate. We give gifts as an expression of love. And the most precious gifts we give are in response to someone's 
show of love or care for us. Now, how many will cast their minds back where at the end of the year, the last Thanksgiving service of 2022, and is there anyone here or anyone online who's saying God has been good? God has cared for me. God has provided for me. That I have felt the love of God, experienced the mercy of God, received the outpouring of the compassion that comes from God. Is there anyone in here who is casting their mind back and saying of a truth if it had not been for the Lord who was with me I will not be where I am today. Is there anyone here who is saying if you give me that microphone I have a testimony to share about God's faithfulness about God's goodness about God's mercies about God's compassion about God's is there anyone here who's saying every day of this year is dotted with God's hand in my life. Is there anyone who can testify to a specific event or circumstance or situation where they know that it was God and God alone who saw? Is there anyone here whose heart is overflowing with gratitude? Is there anyone here who's saying, I didn't even get it right. I did the wrong thing. I should have been judged, but somehow mercy came. Is there anyone here who's saying, allow me to testify of the goodness of God? Is there anyone here who's saying, if you gave me a chance, I can tell how merciful this God. Is there anyone here who's saying, if it wasn't for God, I would have been overcome, overwhelmed, but by God's grace. Is there anyone here who can say, just give me a chance to testify that this God is true. He's faithful. He's real. He has been there for me. He carried me through. He took me over. He held my hand. He saw me through the dark times. In the hardness, he was there to soften it. Is there anyone here who can testify and say, I might not even be out of it yet, but I know that I am not alone in this lion's den. I know that there is a fourth man in the fire. I know of a truth that I am coming out of this one. Is there anyone here who has a testimony that God has been God to them? And if you're that person, isn't, it, isn't he worthy of a gift? But then we ask ourselves, what gift can we give this God? For the cattle on a thousand hills is his. The silver and gold is his. What gift can we give to him? We search for the appropriate gift for this God and we find that there is nothing. But then he gives us a revelation that tells us what gift we can bring. He says, even though I am all sufficient, all powerful, all knowing, all seeing, I don't need anything from anybody, but my heart searches for those who will worship me in spirit and in truth. I'm looking for true worshipers. Is there anyone in Jesus' house, in person, online, who's saying, I want over the next few minutes to bring a precious gift to God. And it's not a physical gift, 
but I'm bringing my heart in worship. I'm wrapping it up with words of worship. I'm carrying this platter up the steps of grace. I am going into the throne room before this great God. I'm going to lie prostrate before him and pour out my worship. I am breaking my own alabaster box so that the expensive perfume, the spike nard that is expensive can pour out in worship. Is there anyone here who's saying, P.A.I., give me a few minutes because I want to bring a precious gift to God. For if God had not been on my side, where would I be? If you're that person, why don't you join me for the next few minutes? We want to bring this grief of worship to God, this platter of worship to God, pearls of gold of our words of worship. We want to bring them sparkling diamonds of worship. We want to bring them to God. Go on, let's worship Him. Be magnified, Lord. Be 